Examining Self-Control Today on His GPS for Your SOS, we'll look at the spiritual gift of self-control. This is a gift that continually needs developing in me. Whether it involves something simple, like regulation of my intake of dim sum dumplings or holding my tongue about a hot-button issue, I admit that I struggle. And the struggle is neither imagined or new. In my character development charts on my report cards as a child, I still remember that this box was frequently checked by teachers. As a communicator and writer, self-expression obviously makes up a large part of what I do and who I am. But I'm learning something. I don't have to blurt out everything I'm thinking to everyone I encounter. I'm discovering that there are marked differences between the self-control of a Christian and that of an unbeliever. The interactions of Christians should ideally take place on a higher plane. They should involve a degree of sublimination of self. And because these kinds of actions occur on a higher plane, we need to ask God, our higher power, for the strength to work in us and through us. He indeed promises to give us a power, love, and self-discipline, as Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy 1.7. You might be wondering how you can get more self-control. One way is to ask for it in prayer. In James 4, 1-3, we are reminded about the consequences of this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Ouch. That scenario paints a somewhat grim picture of our human condition, doesn't it? But what a blessing it is to know that God never wants to leave us unattended in our humanity. Instead, we are told in Romans 12, 2 to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Message Bible puts it like this. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted in your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Isn't that a great passage from the message? God certainly can and will accomplish this if you let Him. When we partner with Him in thought, word, and deed, we choose to take every thought captive. And when we ask for His help, we know we will receive it. We also need to be mindful that the battle is with more than just our selfish desires. In Ephesians 6.12, we learn that our struggle is not just with flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities and powers of this dark world and the forces of evil in the heavenly realm. That's some hefty opposition, friends. Granted, it's not very popular to think about or even talk about those kinds of obstacles, but we can neither overemphasize them or dismiss them completely. Join me in pursuing a thorough examination of our motives as we continually strive to truly transform our minds with a desire to develop our self-control continually. Though we'll never fully develop a perfect mind of Christ this side of eternity, we can closely partner with Him in a concerted effort to infuse more of Him and diffuse a bit more of ourselves. I'd like to share with you an entry from my second book, The Trap Door. And I do think that this definitely illuminates how controlling ourselves mean more of Him and less of us. Failure, a catalyst for total reliance on God. 
One of the fondest memories I have about my trip to Florence is seeing Michelangelo's statue of David in the Galleria dell'Accademia. A large circular room with a beautiful domed ceiling showcases its majesty. In listening to the commentary regarding the artist's approach to the work, I learned that Michelangelo deliberately positioned David's sling behind him. It was the artist's intention to minimize the weapon young David used in order to magnify God's power as the primary component in his victory. If you walk around to the back of the statue, you can see how the fabric of the sling clings seamlessly to David's back, almost disappearing into the sculpture. Indeed, the beauty of the story of David is how God took a young man with an inferior weapon to bring about his victory against a seemingly undefeatable giant. In life as in art, God is worthy of the honor and glory in every success we achieve. But in our pride, we sometimes fail to acknowledge His part in them. So occasionally, God will use little failures to bring about refinement in us. In Judges 7, we read of the story of Gideon. We're told in verse 2 that God deliberately reduced the size of Gideon's army from a starting number of 22,000 men down to 300 to cut off any future pride at the pass. The Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. God, of course, knows we haven't the strength to save ourselves. We are the ones we must continually remind that we need God. David himself aptly wrote that God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and we read that in Psalm 119.105. God doesn't give us a map of our life from beginning to end and a floodlight so we can see into our future until the day we die. Instead, He desires a day-to-day relationship. He assists us in our struggles and failures and spurs us on with His Holy Spirit to provide the hope we need to face our future with confidence that He alone is in control when we commit to Him. Those who don't know Jesus can't experience this vital confidence. They are to a great degree alone in their struggles without the benefit of consulting their wonderful counselor. But even those of us who belong to Him often fail to take advantage of the indispensable benefit of God's wisdom in our war rooms. It's always available to us, either in the form of quiet time or via the advice and encouragement of His servants on earth. Not using this important tool is like squandering a gift certificate. We need to fully rely on God and honor His role in our victories. We must both look at failure and success from an eternal perspective. God knows His plan for our future as long as we are following His roadmap. And the key to kingdom living is, God sometimes allows failure before He orchestrates victory, so we rely more fully on Him. And the doorpost is, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, He encourages strength. Isaiah 40, 29. Thank you for tuning in today to His GPS for your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her first two books in her Planned Door Devotion Trilogy are available on Amazon. Her bi-monthly blogs can be found at cindyyorks.com.